tell you what I do when I'm streaming. Okay. Is I have the headphones. I have a pair of headphones plugged into my Yeti to monitor it if anything's crazy. Mm. Other than that, I have my Bluetooth headphones on. and I'm listening to a podcast the whole time I'm streaming. Really? Yep. How the hell do you focus? Focus on what? You got the game, and you got your chat going, and you got... I need at least three things. <laughs> it's the gosh damn curse of the dragon. I mean, yeah, I suppose. I, I kind of watched you for a little bit. I kind of passed all last night, but it looked like you were playing just... I It looked like you were cycling through games. Yeah, we were just loading everything up on the mister. Okay. Uh, started with some Castlevania Four. Then we moved into Vegas Stakes. Then we played... A couple rounds of ice hockey on NES. <laughs> See, I the computer was open and it was in the bed, and I thought you were playing Tecmo Bowl. Yep, I was playing Tecmo oh, Bowl. Oh, was that wasn't ice hockey? Packers Vikings. I played ice hockey and oh. Tecmo Bowl. Yeah, I saw you playing. What is it? It's not Nightcap. Night uh, Trap. Night Trap. Yeah. yeah, because that that was on that Game Over documentary, and it was like, well, didn't you say it was like super controversial or some shit like yeah, that? Yeah, for no reason. Yeah. yeah. Well. Isn't it have like assaulting women in it? No. No. Uh, do you think the temple guardians are assaulting <laughs> the children? Well, they're, they're vampire something another, aren't they? Well, yes. Originally, well, okay. Originally, they were supposed to be vampires. Yeah. Like awesome looking vampires. But then on the day of, the production company ordered like some trash bags. So they were like, make this work. So they became some zombie creatures. Oh, God. And then the story got shifted because they didn't know what else to do, where now they are bad guy vampire operatives that steal <laughs> little girls and take their blood with that uh, drill gun. Sounds terrible. It's the worst. And it's inscrutable. Like, it, I have no idea how that UI works. I don't know anything. You ju you're just, like, looking through security cameras, right? Yeah, so it's Five Night at Freddy's, but with... Okay. But I, with isn't terrible. that game supposed to be fun, though? Fri Five Nights at Freddy's? I never played it. That's uh, not me. I don't no, play I those memester games. I know my little cousins play them. So. Yeah, that's for little cousins. Yeah. That's who that's for. Isn't it supposed to be scary? Five Night at Freddy? Yeah. Yeah. It's jump scares, though. Like, that's not fair. That's cheating. Hmm. Right. I can throw anything in your face and you'll jump. You know what I watched last night, actually? Um, That hashtag alive. Have you seen that? No. On Netflix? So, have you ever seen The Train to Busan? No. Okay, I'd highly recommend that one. Uh, but it's basically like this, uh, it's a, a South Korean movie, and this gamer guy is, like, isolated in his apartment, and there's zombies everywhere, and it's kind of just about him almost losing losing his shit because he's isolated and stuff. Sure. It's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. The For some reason, Netflix decided to dub over it in English. So their lips are moving. And like he's saying an American accent. It's terrible. So it's like uh, it just Kung Fu Hustle or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, it just looks terrible. But the movie itself. Good looking zombies. I hate Americans. They're just like, I refuse to read. I, I refuse to read subtitles. I need it dubbed over. Most of the time, he's just like doing like expressions or like a depressed face or like something. Like he doesn't even talk that much. Like you don't even really need it. But Americans refuse to read. They want to watch the movie, not read a movie. I bet people will comment that Train to Busan is excellent train to awesome. busan i'm on it and, all right and apparently the uh sequels coming out so they have train to busan then they have a anime origins 
movie, and then they're coming out with a sequel. Like the Animatrix? I never watched that. That's pretty... It's, it's good. It's good? I thought, I thought it looked terrible, but Animatrix, it's pretty good. There's four stories on there. Yeah, I th- from what I remember, they're pretty good. It's pretty good? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam, sitting across from me as ever, Codes for Eugene Cody. Hello. <laughs> I wish that was my middle name. Unfortunately, it's not. My middle name is a lot more trashy, but I'm great. How are you? Oh, good. Well, we've gotten our Twitch streams up and running, haven't we? Hell yeah. Well, I mean, your t- Twitch stream more or less, and I kind of do it on the side, I guess. Well, but... I was enjoying Resident Evil 2 last night with Vanceford before I... we went live. <laughs> okay. I've decided maybe I should play a game I'm kind of decent at. So I figured out for some reason on this computer, Resident Evil 2 would like crash it. Yeah. Because it can't figure out how to like just stay on one screen. And I finally got all that working today. I got that and uh, Resident Evil 7. So I might be playing Madhouse. You have to beat Resi 2. You've, <sighs> I watched you get the. Club key I'm and limping, unlock the door. I'm limping. Yeah. I got <laughs> barely any shells left. You're dead. Like it. It's bad. Every, that emulator must be what causes that echo because every time I close the game, it clo- crashes the whole app and everything. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Because then that's when the microphone was like. Arr, 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 arr. It's not like you were dying in Castlevania. The I found fucking Blizzard, the sneaky bastards. So. Remember how they had Destiny and Destiny 2 on their thing? So they got rid of them, but the game is still stuck on my thing, and I can't uninstall it properly. And I'm looking through forums. Their advice is, just delete the whole folder. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, I know that doesn't get rid of everything. Thanks, Blizzard. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I I don't have a lot of faith in uh, the expansion we're about to be... Well, we don't know when it's coming out. Sometime next month, allegedly. Wow, it seem it feels like the last one just came out. Ugh, so bad. They needed to throw that <laughs> shit in the dumpster and move on. It was so bad. Yeah, they've already uh, delayed the the new expansion was supposed to come out this Tuesday, and they've delayed it, and they haven't released a new release date. But they think it's going to be the end of November. Oh, they still haven't released a release date. No, because the game's fucked up. Wow. People who play the beta says it's fucked up still. Worthless. Trash. Mm-hmm. Zero out of ten. Yeah. Would not buy. Not good. Not good. I just want RE8 to come out and then I'll be a happy boy. I could see it. All right. Today we're going to go into Indiana. Oh, yes. We're okay. in the Midwest. We're Indiana, Illinois, Milwaukee, uh, even out towards Kentucky. So Larry Eiler was a real sick puppy. Who is also called the Highway Killer and the Interstate Killer. Okay. All right. I guess if you get named at, I mean, usually people who get like some sort of bypass in their serial killer title are usually pretty nasty. Definitely. And they See, kill they, a lot of transients. And Did they ever have a I-35 killer? That sounds so. familiar, but maybe I'm thinking of an I-something else killer. <laughs> the 694 killer. There you go. Um. So speaking of Indiana... We spoke about it. I don't remember which episode, but Gwen lives in Indiana. Yeah. And, and she's like, you know, you're right for the most part about Indiana, except for Indianapolis has some pretty nice spots. She said uh, 
She goes to a punk rock club there or something. Well, that's dope. Yeah, I didn't take her for a punk rock fan, but you know what? She says she goes oh, up I there can, and I can see jams. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm a vegan running mom. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I know there's a. There, I know <laughs> you can take a walk on a wild side with Gwen. I'd love to see her in a pit just fucking Jordan up. Just throwing elbows. Just knocking his ass <laughs> out. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Two-stepping all over him. <laughs> January 1983, Indianapolis, Indiana. Terror was spreading through the gay community like wildfire. In late October, 19-year-old Stephen Crockett was found stabbed to death in a cornfield in Kankakee County, Illinois, near the Indiana border. If this was Iowa, I would say that is a peaceful way to go out, dying in a cornfield. Oh, yeah. Uh, the problem here is that uh, it's probably not where he died, and he probably didn't drop dead of natural causes. Probably, right? I mean, unless you're you die and that you're a farmer, and they put you out in the middle of the cornfield and they shoot uh, arrows on you and light you on fire, then yeah, that's a, a Viking, proper Iowa death. A Viking Iowa farmer death. <laughs> I just read today. There's apparently warnings about out of towners coming to steal all the corn. So. Are you shitting me? Well, I think it's a troll, but okay. it's like, people are so stupid. You can't just <laughs> steal corn when it's in the cornfield, guys. Come yeah, on. Don't do it. It's not <laughs> so going to- stupid. What are you going to do? Go get a combine harvester? I, and... There's going to be just mobs of combines coming and stealing <laughs> all the corn, apparently. Roving packs of combines. <laughs> a week later, the day before Halloween- 25-year-old John R. Johnson disappeared from an uptown Chicago neighborhood that was known for drifters. His body wouldn't be discovered until Christmas Day along a highway in Lowell, Indiana, not far from Kankakee County. Indiana police and Illinois police were conducting separate investigations, with each jurisdiction unaware of the other murder. As long as the killer kept dumping the bodies in different counties, he was sure to get away with it. Okay, there's no excuse. 1983, they had telephones, and I'm assuming fax machines. Yes, and so, computers as well by 83. I mean, they weren't great. They weren't. But maybe <laughs> they could at least relay information. On December 28th, forensic pathologist Dr. John Pless had a full work order ahead of him, but police asked if he could fast-track the autopsy of a man named Stephen Agin, who was found in a wooded area near Indiana Highway 63, not far from the town of Newport in Vermilion County. According to Dr. Pless, he had never seen something so gruesome or brutal in his 10 years in the forensic pathology game. The abdomen and chest had been sliced open, and there were horizontal gashes all along the throat and abdomen, as if the killer wanted to dissect him. That's the first thing that came to my mind when you said that sentence there. Could he be, I mean, I don't think it's an orthodontist, but could it be a surgeon? Yeah, orthodontist is a teeth (laughs) doctor, right? Don't they put braces on? I still wouldn't trust them. <laughs> That's more painful than anything. I never had them. <laughs> Stephen Agin was 23 years old, worked at his dad's car wash, had his own apartment, and was about to enroll in college so he could enjoy the finer things in life. Mm. Sunday family dinner on December 19th was the last time his family would see him alive. On the 28th, Stephen's father Bob heard over a police scanner that a man resembling his son had been found. There was rope tied around his ankles. The family first assumed he was killed by a roadside junkie, but Dr. Pless knew as he looked at the sliced-up body that no junkie would have directed such tremendous rage at the victim. No, that's way beyond a junkie's capabilities for sure. They're too weak to do that. Yeah, they just want 
their money or drugs and they get out of there. They want to get they want to get whatever they can off you. Right. Did I I I don't want to assume, but I'm guessing this uh man was a gay man. Indeed he was. Okay. Unfortunately, and we'll get to it. Okay. All right. I was wondering if his parents were aware, so probably not. Larry Eilers or No, uh Stephen Agan. Oh, no. He was presumed straight. Oh, he was presumed straight. Okay. Mm. All right. As police continued to investigate, it became clear that Stephen was not killed where he was found. They tracked back through the woods and found a dilapidated outbuilding on an abandoned farm. Inside, several nails were driven into the wall, and there were traces of flesh on one of them. Officers suspected that Stephen had been hung upside down and then cut open as if dressing a deer. Jesus, that's brutal. Almost as soon as Dr. Pless finished the autopsy of Stephen Agin... Attendants brought in the body of 21-year-old John Roach, who had been found coincidentally the same day off I-70 in neighboring Putnam County. As Pless examined Roach's muscular body splayed out before him, the similarities to his previous patient couldn't be ignored. So he's cut up the same way. I was just wondering, do you think having the last name Roach is a good or bad thing? I think it's rough. Um, I mean... If you have a memorable last name, it's kind of rough because then people are always going to, you know, remember. You're always going to be like Roach. Or hey, Roachy. Roachy. Hey, yeah. Roach Motel. Luckily, you and I have obnoxious last names. and they, I mean, I guess yours kind of gets shortened to A-Paw. A- yeah, that's fine. But that, that, that's kind of cool. That doesn't bother me. That's just fine. Now finished with his second awful task of the day, Plus took a call from George Stuteville of the Indianapolis Star, which was considered the last true police beat-reporting newspaper in the region. Stuteville had picked up the trail of all these murders as he was addicted to his scanner. The reporter pointed out to Dr. Pless that based on what he's heard, there is an active serial killer seeking young men, but the investigation would never progress as long as bodies kept popping up in different jurisdictions. I, I don't know why. But I've in envisioning that George Stutzville, like he wears his pants above his nipples for some reason. He's yeah. just that type of reporter. And he said when the reporter pointed out, I just pictured his nipples pointing. I don't know why he thought of that. <laughs> Bing. Yeah. Check this out, Doctor Plus. Bing. <laughs> I imagine that his pants are so high, and he has suspenders that are basically like suitcase handles because <laughs> yeah. they're so high. It's like a two-foot bungee cord holding him up, that's it. <laughs> Dr. Pless hung up with Stuteville and immediately called State Police HQ, but no one did anything with the report, and the murders would continue. So it took a reporter to inform the... Forensic the, pathologist. Yeah, that there might be a serial killer. Absolutely. I feel like maybe... I guess it's technically not his... Problem. It should be the detective's problem for, you know, saying if we got a serial killer or not, but... He followed the right channels. He called the police. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the reporter shouldn't be telling these guys that's probably what's going on here. Yeah, that might be the police's yeah. job is to f- <laughs> yeah. figure out the similarities, not for a civilian to have to piece it all together. On December 30th, recent Yale grad David Block disappeared while visiting his parents in the rich Chicago suburb of Highland Park. His brand new Volkswagen was found locked on the Tri-State Tollway. On New Year's Eve, the Indiana State Police were finally willing to admit that all these male bodies piling up on the side of the highways were starting to look a little suspicious, but they were still unwilling to throw out the term serial killer just yet. Could it be because they're kind of like 
that creates like a panic. Not only that, yeah, but uh, we will see. I think I know what you're getting at. It's uh, there's a problem with a uh, little bit of uh, what we call uh, bigotry. Yeah, I yeah. was just gonna say the uh, Jeffrey Dahmer problem there. It's like gay people aren't seen as yeah. people, and yeah. cops don't want to like interfere in their business because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. The gay community, on the other hand, knew exactly what they were up against. The fact that bodies kept being found in different counties proved to them that this was a calculating killer that had every intention of striking again. Unfortunately for the gay community, and every other community, and the pride of this country, police wanted to focus on the differences rather than the similarities. For one thing, John Roach was a regular at the Indianapolis area gay bars, but as far as anyone could tell, Stephen Agin was straight, like we said. Mm, or questioning, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he was. Maybe, because he was a college kid, right? Mm. Still figuring himself out. At this time, there was no, none of those subclasses like mm. there is today. Mm. You know, there wasn't, mm -hmm. the, it was pretty much just lesbian gay. Yeah. Maybe bi. <laughs> but I swear people in the 80s still thought they were faking it. Oh, the bisexuals? Yeah. I yeah, they were just I, horny. The 80s is wild, man. Definitely. <laughs> and it seems like, like the fact that there's a serial killer killing around this, I feel like there's a lot of them. There in must the have 80s, been. the 80s, yeah. I, I don't know why. I just feel like, especially some of the, the like gay serial killers, <clears throat> killing gay men, they seem, I feel like there's a lot of them during or this black. time during, during the 80s. 80s, 70s, I wonder why 60s. that is. Well, that is. they're the invisible people, you know? Mm -hmm. They're... The people that are racist against uh, the people that are racist aren't going to look into their problems and crimes as, as willingly as, as they would a smiling white man. Right, right. On March 22nd, 1983, Jay Reynolds, the owner of a Baskin Robbins in Lexington, Kentucky, was found stabbed to death at the bottom of an embankment on U.S. Highway 25. Reynolds was driving to his store to lock up when he was attacked, leaving behind a wife and two sons. I could not remember the last time I have had Baskin Robbins. Isn't there one right over the... Yeah, the, the Dunkin' Donuts and it's connected over here. Dunkin' sucks. I only go there to get coffee sometimes. Their coffee's good. Yeah, it's good. I remember I, I the times I went to Chicago, I was like, why can't we get a Dunkin' Donuts in Minnesota? Right. And then we finally did, and now it's like, well, I'll just go to Caribou. I like Caribou better. <laughs> yeah. It was like double the price. I know, it's brutal. Oh, and they messed up my order this morning. Ooh. I wanted a large depth charge with half pumpkin and half white chocolate. Are, are you openly admitting you are in not PSLs, but you're getting the pumpkin spice life right now? They are dumping half a half a shot in my depth charges <laughs> these days, that's for sure. It's tasty. I, I need to try. I need to be a PSL bitch here. Yeah. Everything changed on May 9th, 1983, when the body of Daniel McNeve was discovered in a field right off State Road 39 in Henderson County, a mile south of where Roach was found on I-70. When the body was wheeled in to Dr. Pless at the Bloomington Hospital, he came to the conclusion that this was a carbon copy of the others. McNeve lived with his two brothers in downtown Indianapolis. He had a reputation for being a hustler. McNeve's grieving family were convinced that this was gang retribution. Daniel had dimed on a street gang when he oversaw two of their members beating an old man unconscious and then robbing him. Okay, what is dimed over? Dimed on? Dimed on. Beat told up? Told on? Told no. on. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So Daniel told on a street gang. Well, you should. You're beating up an old man. Yeah. What the fuck? Leave old people alone. 
The problem is, you would expect wounds in the neck, back, and chest in a gang attack, but in this case, the 21-year-old's liver and kidneys had been sliced through, and his blue jeans had been pulled down to his ankle. However, there was no sign of sexual assault. He had 11 stab wounds in the back, 5 in the neck, and 11 more in the abdomen. One was so deep his small intestines had fallen out of it. There were also binding marks on his wrists and ankles. Unless Braca was in that gang, I don't think that was a gang attack there. No. You know. Yes. I mean, Braca's been known. Braca from Mortal Kombat, Of course. Obviously. I can't think of any other Baracas, <laughs> unless you're talking about Baraka Obama. We don't call him by that name. We call him Barry, Barry Satira. Satira. <laughs> No, he uh, his his finisher was pulling his pulling out the people's blue jeans down to the ankles, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. That's what I remember. Morcom is strange. Pantsing. Yeah. After washing up from his autopsy, Doctor Pless once again called the state police with his findings, and this time they listened. Oh, that's good. In 1983, the 700,000 strong population of Indianapolis had a very large and lively homosexual community. During the fall of 82, police started a campaign against sodomy and other lewd behaviors, including raiding homosexual bookstores and videotaping people going in and out of the gay bars in the city. Jesus, can you imagine? Like, technically sodomy is illegal in a lot of states still, right? Yeah. But it's not, I mean, I would, most of the states aren't going to actually prosecute anybody for performing it. Sodomy is also... I would fucking hope not. I think they clarify, or they qualify, like, oral sex as sodomy as well, right? Anything that's not P in the V. Mm-hmm. Okay. You sodomite. <laughs> you see what the Pope did? He's Wore down with the gays. No, he's oh. down with the gays. What, just recently? Yeah, whatever wow. the Pope is now, he said he, he accepts uh, homosexual marriages. Well, thank goodness. It's I about know. time they evolve a little bit. <laughs> and now everybody's like, oh, this is just a fake Pope. Fake Pope. Yeah, because... Fake Pope. The, the Pope can't possibly try to move that barbaric church forward at all. No. It's got to be steeped in just the worst pass ever. Okay, so ten years ago was they acknowledged there could possibly be aliens, and now, ten years later, he's saying gay marriage is okay. Also ten years ago, he said pets go to heaven. Oh, did he? Yeah. I suppose he watched All Dogs Go to Heaven and I fucking think so. balled his eyes out, and he's like, well, I gotta put this in there now. Yeah. This is going to be fucked if I <laughs> if I can't see all these little pooches and kitties. <laughs> Disgustingly enough, this harassment tactic worked, driving several homosexuals away from the gay bars, including one man named Larry Eiler. By January, when the gay community realized there was a serial killer well before the police did, it was assumed the anti-homo crackdown had driven the killer to straight bars, which was sure to obfuscate the investigation even further. George Stutville, intrepid reporter of the Indianapolis Star, couldn't boldly come out and say it in his articles, but he hid as many messages as he could in them, alluding to the fact that homophobia was certainly standing in the way of solving this case, or even getting any leads. Mm, I thought you were going to say, like, George... Went out to the gay bars himself and's like, I'll I gotta wait do till, this. I'll pick up every man I can <laughs> and wait till one of them tries to kill me, and then I'll let you know who that man is. <laughs> George a, is just the hero of Indianapolis. <laughs> he is in-depth investigative reporting here. George does not give a fuck. <laughs> as unfortunate as this is to say, 
Daniel McNeve's murder was the answer to the community's prayers. Until then, there were four separate investigations going, and now there was only one. An unusual decision was made. Rather than giving authority to a single department, a task force would be formed, and to avoid interdepartmental rivalries, there would be two detectives from the state police, two from Indianapolis PD, and two from each county a body was discovered. Mm, kind of like a, a police uh, megazoid going on here. Megazord, yes. <laughs> we're getting in there. Hopefully they don't call it the hot dog squad this time. Oh, that might be no inappropriate. Kidding. No kidding. <laughs> No kidding. That would be uh, that's one <laughs> one toe over the line. I I've never laughed so hard when I heard that. It's just so, the the BTK thing. Yeah. Obviously, so cringe. The hot dog squad. Why would you even call it that? Come on, the brain trust. Yeah, good job. <laughs> the brain trust behind the task force hoped this would make the gay community open up and talk to the police. Hopefully, feeling safer with a unified task force than just Indianapolis PD, who had treated them. With nothing but disrespect. I mean, it, that would be great, but I, they've already tarnished any trust they have for them. Absolutely. And you know? even task force detectives, when they went and interviewed people at the gay bars or went to their homes and interviewed them, they got what was called prisoner of war treatment. Basically, name, rank, and serial number. They gave them just the basics and then said, get out of here. Really? The gay people said that to the, you know, they were clammed up around yeah. the police. I mean, yeah, you gotta you gotta have that trust between them, and when the police treat them like shit, they're not gonna want to fuck with them. No kidding. In charge of the task force's day-to-day -day operations was a bear of a man named Sergeant Frank Love, who was known to have a soft and kindly voice. Okay, you say bear of a man. Are we talking about gay bear of a man? A giant bear of a man. <laughs> he was a big boy. He loved Twinkies. You know the sergeant boys? from The Wire? Uh, the one who just looks at porn all day? God, what can, is it the first season one? He's in all the seasons. Is he? Yeah, he's a big fat sergeant. I, I think I know who you're talking about, yes. Yeah. Kind of like him. Okay. <laughs> Love presided over a meeting on June 14th with over 50 detectives from eight jurisdictions. Right now, they were poring over 20 suspicious young men murders and looking for the ones that fit the pattern, stabbed or strangled, usually with deep abdominal stab wounds and their pants pulled down anywhere from a few inches to all the way around the ankles and then dumped along the highway. So all 20 of them are like that. No, they're going through the, Mo the, the ones that they think might be like that. Okay, but this is that's pretty much... The serial killer's M.O. Exactly. They're going through his pattern. It sounds a lot like Juan. Uh, Juan Corona was his name. Juan Vallejo Corona. Yeah. Exactly. When I started reading this, I was like, holy shit. It feels like I did this. But it was 10 years earlier and in California. <laughs> well, at least this guy, since he's from the Midwest, we get to revoke his ability to use the term hot dish. He's not allowed to use it anymore. No. No. <laughs> or you, you can go back to eating casserole, you piece of shit. <laughs> The ones that didn't make the cut were cast off as isolated incidents to be followed up on by local police. Another issue bothering investigators. How were these victims chosen for slaughter? Some men were known homosexuals, but others didn't appear to be so. For instance, Danny McNeve's mother was convinced her son wasn't gay because... He was a good Christian and found that lifestyle absolutely disgusting. He had a drinking problem, but he was a clean boy. You can't have both of those. You, you really can't can. have a jury. Really <laughs> what the hell? You really cannot. I'm glad. It's very Midwestern to say you start off a conversation with, 
he was a good Christian. Yep. You don't need that. You don't need that. Cl- clearly, she doesn't know her son very well. A wild drunk, but <laughs> yeah. a good Christian. <laughs> I mean, it's probably just like his father, to be honest. <laughs> I'm kind of wondering, like, I'm in for the mystery now, but I'm kind of wondering if all the victims maybe have like a a similar body style or maybe sure. like a similar... That I, would be a, you know. an interesting thing to find out. Mm. She went so far as to hire a private detective to verify her son wasn't gay. Unfortunately for her, the private eye said he couldn't tell one way or the other. Sounds like a waste of $500 Yeah. Also, unfortunately for Danny's mother, one of his brothers told police privately that Danny was a hustler. The task force was now confident the killer wasn't taking victims at random. We've mentioned Hustler a few times now. I was just going to ask. In reference to Daniel, and originally I thought he was like a pool hustler or drug Mm. dealer or something. But this is hustling sexual favors like handies and blowies for money. Most hustlers were not homosexual, and they were able to separate hustling from their day-to-day heterosexual life. But it can erupt into violence when one or both of the men involved are questioning themselves. Okay, so he's he's kind of like a an original Phoenix Saint. Is that there his you name? go? <laughs> he said, "I could fuck a few vixens one day." Blow a few studs the next day. It's all cool, man. Was it, was he okay? So he was a gay porn star who was straight and married, right, or something. Yeah. Okay. And loves Jesus. He loves Jesus yeah. too. Okay. That always like I'm not judging, but the the like some uh, the gay community that's like really Christian. I just don't understand it. I don't because get it the generally a lot of those oppose you. They so hate it's like. You. I, I don't, it's kind of a weird conundrum, but you, you practice whatever It's you like want. Stockholm syndrome. Mm, it's like, mm. why do you love what hates you? I know. It's ridiculous. I don't, I don't get it. It's, it's always been a perplexing thing in my mind. The task force began developing a profile on their killer by studying his victims to date. Unfortunately, this line of investigation was bound to get held up in the reeds without fresh evidence or leads. The family of John Roach put up a $500 reward for information which was matched by the local prominent gay monthly newspaper called The Works. That's not, that's for a gay thing that doesn't have a lot of pop to it. Not a lot of flair there. No, like The Works isn't that a, a type of Lay's chips? I have a few. Oh yeah, probably <laughs> those, like in loaded. Yeah. No, like the loaded potato ones. Oh, you remember man, those? Oh man, I love the loaded spot old Dutches. I swore they call that The Works. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But we're like the we're like a water park. They the call the works, works to, yeah. water works. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, but I suppose maybe a lot of these conservative local businesses wouldn't carry their paper if it was called Gay Boy Monthly <laughs> or something like that. Kissing boys paper, something. <laughs> Kissing boys newspaper, <laughs> boys only club newspaper, John Travolta newspaper. There you go. <laughs> You ain't lying to us, John. We know. We know. Just come out, goddammit. We don't. Nobody see cares. It. I nobody can see cares. behind your gross little chin dimple. <laughs> I know you're gay. The task force was mercilessly mocked by other officers who would walk by their office and flutter their eyelashes and speak in high-pitched voices with lisps. <sighs> Not only are police racist class traitors, they are also incredibly homophobic to boot. Now, that is Adam saying that. No one else. <laughs> okay. The only way to stop the teasing was self-depreciation. So Sergeant Love and Detective McPherson would skip down the hallway hand in hand. Fuck yeah, get him! Yep. This is exactly what you and I would do. Oh yeah. 
Fuck, man. Well, I'm sure we've done shit like that. <laughs> yeah. You said you're getting dirty works from an ex coworker, and you and I—I I remember you and I were hugging because it's That's making right. him uncomfortable. That's right. <laughs> Over the next few weeks, the task force would chase down leads and narrow it down to six possible suspects, including a pig farmer in central Indiana who had a history of getting drunk and trying to beat and hogtie men. On June sixth, Tom Henderson of Indianapolis called in and told the dispatcher. I think I know who's doing the killings. A man I know named T- Larry Eiler. The what? dispatcher cut him off immediately and Ooh. gave the caller the task force hotline. Sergeant Love answered the phone and Henderson explained that he hardly knew Eiler, but knew that he had a nasty temper and was involved in a stabbing back in 1978. Love could hardly hide the disappointment in his voice when he asked, You don't know of anything a little more recent? No. But he has rage issues and is into bondage. He lives in Terre Haute and works at a liquor store in Greencastle called Andy's. Ooh, that's a nice liquor store there. I was just, just going to say, by the way, this is why my mom doesn't trust pig farmers. Definitely. This oh, guy yeah. here. Get... They get drunk and hogtie all the neighbors. <laughs> like, if that was a mini game on Red Dead 2, that'd be kind of cool. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, pretty much is. I, I hogtie everyone. <laughs> You have to make your own mini games sometimes. <laughs> you know Phil's playing that again. Is he? Good. Yeah, yeah. He'd never finished it. He's still getting them horses. He's gotta finish it. Because it is fun to get all that money and then just go Just go be shoot John Marston. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Love took down Henderson's info and chalked it up as another spurned lover looking for revenge. As Love dug into it a little more, it seemed Eiler had taken Henderson's boyfriend and ran off with him. So in Sergeant Love's mind, this tip was suspect, to say the least. You know what? I'm just going to say this. I feel like cops probably do get this. Like, scorn lovers who, like, call and just it make up It was that shit. son of a bitch. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, yeah. I just feel like that happens. So. Oh, yeah. The heart and brains of the operation belong to computer analyst Kathy Burns. And an Apple IIe. We got a computer analyst. She had a crazy huge Watson. That Watson. It, or not a Watson, an IBM. Sorry. I was, I've been yeah. watching a lot of Jeopardy. <laughs> IBM made Watson. Okay. Uh, uh, so she had this IBM that she would bring in, and she would just feed words into it to build a profile. She would feed in Route 41. I-70, stabbings, really? uh, dissection, all that stuff. And it would compile everything into, like, cells and create almost, uh, like, a basic version of, like, a like basic a roadmap profile. of their brain. Yeah, a, a profile, yeah. exactly. Interesting. So I guess that fucking old-ass uh, Italian horror movie from the 70s was just ahead of its time because that's kind of what they did. No, they invented the thing at the fair. We did the thing that tells you your fortune or whatever. In the movie, they're typing in, like, stab to death, blah, 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 black gloves, and then it prints out, like, a shitty little... Like, if you were to make a face on a keyboard chat, that's what prints out of there. Like, oh, this is what he looks like here. Oh, an ASCII. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, here's our suspect. <laughs> I mean, yes, this is that machine. <laughs> She realized anything could be a lead, and unlike some of her task force teammates, she was convinced Eiler was the suspect they should be chasing. In her computer, she discovered Larry Eiler's stabbing that Henderson reported was fucking heinous, and although he didn't kill his victim, this was clearly a dress rehearsal for the real thing. Let's hear about it now. Let's do it. 
August 3rd, 1978, Terre Haute, Indiana. Larry Eilers was cruising down the road in his cluttered maroon and white pickup when he spotted a strapping young lad on the side of the road with his thumb out. Larry, with his butcher knife under his seat, pulled to a stop. I'm just heading to Voorhees Street. The young hitchhiker named Mark told him as he climbed in. He was a year out of the Marine Corps and was keeping his physique up by working for his father's carpentry business. Larry was a few inches taller than Mark and had a small mustache that he hoped would hide his round baby face, <laughs> but it didn't. It does. You can't hide a baby face. I'll can't tell do you. It. You can't yeah. do it. Us blessed with the big old cheeks. Maybe, not gonna okay, maybe if you smoke a lot of cigarettes, it'll speed it up, but for the most part, you're, you're going to be stuck with it. Yeah, no, no question. <laughs> Larry liked to wear tight tees to show off his bodybuilding muscles and always wore a ball cap to hide his rapidly retreating hairline. Mm. As the pair approached a stoplight, Larry pointed down to the ditch off the road and said, Why didn't you come down here with me, big boy? <laughs> Mark had no intention of doing that, and instead reached for the door handle. As his fingers grasped it, the point of the butcher knife was being held painfully against his throat. Wait, banging in a ditch isn't hot for everybody? Mark doesn't want it. <laughs> he says, I just wanted to go to Voorhees Street, which is pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. Jason yeah. Voorhees Street. Hell yeah. If they hadn't like a Camp Crystal Lake on Voorhees Street, that'd be amazing. Hell yeah. And it was ran by Barbara. I think it's Barbara Voorhees is his mom. I think. Jason's I always mom. think that. Yeah, I know. I always think that it should be. That should have been Kathy Bates, but I know it's not. Yeah, it's some lady who I've never seen in another movie ever mm -hmm. again. Maybe they actually did really cut her head off in real life. I don't know. I get her... Okay, so I get those two, like, fused in my brain. And Lando, I always think, is Carl Weathers. <laughs> I always, like, I always see Carl Weathers as Lando Calrissian. <laughs> when the light turned green, Larry stepped on the gas, getting it up to 50 miles an hour, and kept the blade on Mark's throat the whole time. After driving about 30 minutes through woodlands and dirt roads, twisting and turning as they drove, they finally reached a grassy clearing that butted up to a hill. Just cooperate with me and you won't get hurt. Get out of the truck slowly. Take your shirt off. As Mark fumbled with the buttons on his shirt and started pulling it over his head, he felt the handcuffs snapped on his Ooh. wrist. Larry reasserted himself, saying, don't resist, and brought Mark's other arm behind him and cuffed it. He was then ordered to climb in the back of the pickup and lie down on the cot Larry had set up back there. Larry remained blank-faced and silent as he removed Mark's boots and unbuckled his belt. Then he tied both ankles with clothesline, making sure to knot the middle to make it harder for Mark to wriggle out of. This guy's got to be terrified right now. Mark realized the danger he was in and knew he was going to die. He figured he had one chance and he better not blow it. Larry was stroking Mark's behind lovingly with the flat of the butcher knife, still lost in his trance with no expression on his face. The Marine veteran suddenly twisted and rolled over the wheel well and out of the bed of the truck. Larry was screaming for him to come back, but Mark kept hobbling, legs and arms still bound, and eventually his ankles worked the knots loose enough for him to take larger strides, not to mention they were being coated in blood from his ankle skin being ripped off Ooh, by the ropes. Oh, god damn. So this guy is tough. Can you imagine if they put him on uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple? He'd fucking smoke them kids. Or American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, like, god damn. I mean, I'm assuming Larry's shitty at tying knots, uh, but luckily, I don't know if he 
broke him off, or did he, he just maneuvered out of him and he could go? Or I think like part of it was him rolling off, and mm. it, it loosened it a bit or broke it free a little bit. And then as he was running, the knots seemed to be coming loose. Was it just like your standard like rope braided clothesline? Yeah. Okay. Rope, yeah. Okay. Okay. He almost made it to the tree line when he felt Larry's hot breath on his neck. Ew. Still cuffed and knowing he was about to be caught, Mark Turk turned around and screamed in his face. I don't know if I feel safe saying this. You effing Q word. <laughs> there you go. Okay, thank you, Adam. Immediately, the butcher knife slipped between his fifth and seventh ribs. Oh, Jesus. Mark gasped as he staggered backward and dropped hard to the ground. Larry stood over him, still holding the blood-dripping blade. He looked lost. This wasn't in his fantasy, and he didn't know how to improvise. Mark realized his lung was punctured, and his chest was sucking in air. He thought if he could just play dead for a little bit, Larry might walk away before he died of asphyxiation or blood loss. He closed his eyes, and eventually Larry did move on. Really? Okay. Holy shit. Ugh. Can you imagine? Okay, I was just thinking, like, which rib that is. I'm like, damn, that's got to, I mean, was it, did you say the left or right side? Fifth and seventh rib on the left, on the right side. Okay, so I guess it's not where your heart is, but you don't want your lung being deflated, that's for sure. No, it is supposed <laughs> to work as a bellows. It <laughs> yeah. is not supposed to let have, uh, it's supposed to be a vacuum in there, you know? But apparently you can live with one lung, so that's yeah. that. As but long as one's not leaking. Yeah, yeah, you don't need blood in there. Absolutely not out of the woods, either literally or metaphorically, he had to get this wound closed or at least put some pressure on it. He was forced to do some yoga to get his cuffed hands in front of him, which ripped his chest wound wider and almost caused him to black out from the pain. Once his arms were in front of him, he used the handcuffs to his advantage by pressing as much of the surrounding skin as he could against the sucking wound. Basically just trying to close it off with yeah. the surrounding skin. Just uh, stop the bleeding. Yep. Mark reached the gravel road, naked, bound, and drenched head to toe in his own blood. He stumbled to a trailer park just past some railroad tracks and made it to the top steps of a double wide. Help! I'm hurt bad! He shouted, and although he could hear voices coming from inside, nobody answered. He pounded the back of his head against the door, unwilling to remove his hands from the chest wound in case the next breath was his last. Give me a rag, anything, just to stop the bleeding. He tried to stand and move on to the next trailer, but instead collapsed headfirst from the top stair to the concrete below and just started screaming. The next thing he remembers was a voice coming in from the ether. Keep talking, do not go to sleep. Mark felt he needed to go to sleep. Yeah. Then then it would either all be over or he could begin to rest and heal was his rationale. Well, you sleep, you're either going to wake up and it's over or you're going to whatever happens when you die. Yep. (laughs) Yes. We don't know the answer to number two. At at least you won't be in a world of fucking hurt. Maybe you'll go to heaven and be severely judged by our savior. I can only hope. (laughs) I can't wait. You know, he's supposed to be the savior of humanity, yet why is he so judgy? You he's know? a judgy cuck, isn't he? He is. Like he's a it... real judgy Jason. In fact, Tupac has the whole song about him. <laughs> Only God can judge me now. Okay, now, if Mark would have kissed a boy at one point of his life and he dies, goes to heaven, Jesus might not let him in because he kissed a boy one time. Don't you automatically get to go if you get murdered? Do you? I don't know. I know. I... 
I, I, there's too many, like, it's kind of like signing up for a driver's license. There's too many loopholes. There's yeah. too many different blocks on there. It's too confusing. You get a freebie if you die in a church, though. I know you, you get to go to heaven if you die in a church. Okay. Right? All right. Any church. I think so. Mm-hmm. As long as it's a Christian church. Mm-hmm. Okay. When he started to doze off again, the deputy slapped him and repeated his order. Residents from all across the park were now crowding around and generally getting in the way of the first responders. One of the men came forward, and just as a deputy was about to tell him to fuck off, he saw the man was holding a small key in his outstretched hand. A boy came to my door, and he he said he stabbed someone. He says I should give you this key. It's for the handcuffs. What? Yeah, he came by my place and asked me to go with him and rescue the kid, but when we got off there, there was no one to be found. Where is this boy now? (laughs) The man gestured towards the pickup truck that had just pulled up behind the line of police cars. A Vigo County Sheriff's deputy took his license and realized it was Larry, and he was arrested on the spot. And as Mark was rushed away to the ER, police at the trailer park couldn't comprehend exactly what the fuck had happened. They really didn't understand why Larry was so willing to cooperate. He would go on to volunteer his statement and he allowed police to search his truck the very first time they asked instead of saying, fuck off, get a warrant. This is, that's really weird. Did he have a conscience after he stabbed him? I'm assuming this is his first it is, outing yeah. or whatever. So I guess uh, he, if he's about to get in trouble, then he's going to be like, I can't ever do that again. And the know? fact that he went, got somebody and then went back and tried to help the person he just yeah. tried to rape and stab and kill. Yeah. I I don't know. I kind of got the impression at first when you were describing him that he's like that that type of killer who's angry that other gay men or men don't find him attractive mm. or something. So then he was killing them. Or he hates himself for being gay. That's that always there, too. too. That could be, too. In the messy truck, they found a fake security guard badge, a metal-tipped whip, a folding <laughs> knife a butcher knife, a sword in a green velvet case, more handcuffs, and paralyzing tear gas. Jesus, Gary Busey's truck or what? Except for the metal-tipped whip, I'm pretty (laughs) sure I've driven around with all this stuff. A sword in a green velvet case? Well, a sword. I don't think I had a case for it, though. (laughs) You gotta have the green velvet. Where do you get paralyzing tear gas from? Well, it was just regular tear gas. Ah, okay. You got to have the paralyzing, the extra strength. Yeah, I don't know if there is that, but uh, (laughs) that's what it said in the report. (laughs) Metal-tipped whip sounds exceedingly painful. Yeah, are you hunting vampires? What's going on here? The Belmont clan's whip here, is that what he's got? Is it consecrated? (laughs) While the search of the truck was happening, surgeons worked on Mark quickly and carefully. He needed 12 sutures on his lungs. And 24 on the surrounding tissue. God damn. Afterwards, he in- the doctor inserted a drainage tube to void the lung of any blood that had collected there, and there was a lot of it. Yeah, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You puncture your lung, you're supposed to... You gotta, it you gotta get there. it dry, man. Mm-hmm. You gotta put some oil dry in there or something. Like... <laughs> Use some of that stuff you put in, like, your radiator if it's leaking, like that silver yes. seal. Yeah. <laughs> you quickly breathe really fast, and hopefully it'll seal it up, and you'll be good to go. You just open everything up. Mm. You get a can of Flex Seal from Billy Mays, <laughs> and then you're good to go. Put a patch of it yeah. on there. Yeah. I would just try to inhale, like, a whoopee cushion 
And hopefully it inflates and like plugs that hole. Sure. Now right that acts as your new lung membrane. <laughs> Every time you like breathe in, it just makes a farting noise. Yes. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Every time you do a sit up. <laughs> Dude, I, uh, Bianca showed me this thing. It's a TikTok video, and this lady's like looking for her Bluetooth earphones. She turns it on, and there's music coming from her dog's stomach. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh god that's funny though <laughs> yeah. that's pretty good poor dog's gonna have some painful shits <laughs> mark was still in icu recovery when larry eiler's bond was set at fifty thousand dollars the next day it was lowered to ten thousand and one of larry's friends was able to scrape up the one thousand to bail him out because res even has friends here's the thing Fucking Larry's friends are going to always come through for really? Larry's okay. friends, for some reason, are fucking ride or die. I think I envision his friend is actually Larry, Dog the Bounty Hunter for some reason. I don't know why. Ew. Or, and Dog's yummy wife. <laughs> I love the new meme going around that is like, it's basically portraying him as like a woman on hard times. <laughs> like 2020 has been hard in Taylor Swift and then you have a picture dog the bunny hunter <laughs> that's pretty good yeah Mark was released a week later raring to testify about this horror movie experience but Larry's lawyer met him in the corridors of the courthouse and offered him a whopping check for $2,500 to keep his yap trapped that's not enough <sighs> When the lawyers told Larry that Mark had accepted the money and would no longer be pressing charges, Larry changed his plea from guilty to innocent of aggravated battery. On November 19th, Judge Bitsigario <laughs> dismissed the case and ordered Larry to pay $43 in court fees. Wow. This wouldn't be the last time he gets off like this either. Wow, that isn't... Okay, Mark, what are you doing? Are you going to buy a brand new Chevy Nova, the little shitty... Uh, 80s hatchback version, like, or what? It's honestly what I hate about this story, yeah. is how cheaply people can be fucking bought off after they were almost fucking murdered. Even though it was 1983, I guess, at this, 82, 83, yeah. that's still not that much money. That's gonna cover your hospital bill? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Probably not. When the flashback forward, back to 1982, <laughs> Larry Eiler was one of the most popular members at the Equal Economic Opportunities Commission. Wow. That's where down-on-their-luck farmers and the elderly who couldn't stay on top of their bills could get help. Larry was incredibly warm and friendly, as if he had a special relationship with anyone that walked in, and he wanted to know every detail and facet of a person's life. The most famous example of his generosity. One time he drove 50 miles in the wrong direction, to get a signature from an old woman because she was scared of driving on the highway. If he didn't mom? get that signature, she would have been kicked off her farm and, and fucking really? driven away. Yes. You know, honestly, though, some of the some of these serial killers, they have like a weird soft spot. Is it a soft spot or are they like playing? Are they like learning how to be a human by overemphasizing compassion or is it some kind of weird bipolar thing where they they're like super nice and then super murderous well by that by your logic i'm expecting bono to have a serious body count on his hands yeah because he's too generous sometimes yes. right so what Hashtag. is he hiding what is bono hiding a closet full of miracles yeah. he's got corpses everywhere 
I mean, what's it? What is red? You know, what is red? <laughs> a collar? A collar. That's also his charity, but I have no idea. <laughs> Was it the AIDS one? Yes. The red one? Mm. Mm. The target. They He's always involved with that? That's his thing, yeah. That is his thing. Yeah. Okay. Is he is he a gay man? No, I don't think so. We don't really know. I honestly haven't. I even think s- he's just a human that he's doesn't like AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> well, I assume that's a lot of humans <laughs> at this point. But he has the. He actually has the resources and the wherewithal to do something about it. Unlike us schlubs. Mm. He lived. Larry lived in a condo, which is well outside of his price range. But he was staying with a much older library science professor with OCD about cleanliness. <laughs> that sounds like a professor. <laughs> Computer wizard Kathy Burner felt vindicated. She had the hunch that it was Eiler all along, but Sergeant Love still wasn't even close to as convinced as she was. He was still thinking it had to be the pig farmer who loved tying men up. I mean, that's who I'm betting on. <laughs> but I'm biased. I'm a little biased. Okay? Yes. <laughs> even though he was stubborn, Sergeant Love was also incredibly thorough, and he decided to call up Henderson again to see if he could rack his brain to remember anything else about Larry Besides his rage issues and his job at the liquor store. he's He travels 41, and he goes to Chicago a lot. That's Highway 41, by the way. Okay. I've, see, I was trying to figure out um, which what was his uh, serial killer like sl- uh, nickname again? The interstate killer or the okay. highway killer. Okay. I thought, I, was, I couldn't remember if they had a specific number, because it does seem like he's using like three or four of this of the same highways, definitely. Right? So I'm assuming they're kind of like he kind of all has, in this little area. He has this long drag that he goes okay. down. It goes from uh you know like deep South Indiana up to Chicago and Milwaukee oh, beyond. Okay. So he go he goes in that, and then he's got like two or three side highways that he also that run parallel to, or not parallel per is perpendicular. Up. Well, perpendicular would be it like crosses two of them. them. Okay, okay, so it's parallel, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know what you are. If he went to Milwaukee, how crazy would it be if him and Jeff Dahmer were in the same bar? Like right around the same time? Yeah, I, I'm guessing Larry would have took down Jeffrey because Larry seems to be more of a, he 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 kills him right away where Dahmer has got to poison him first. Although Larry might fall for the drink. Larry we is a macho man. He's a macho man. He is very obsessed with with being seen as macho. That's uh, a telltale sign right there. He's a bit of a stolen valor <laughs> as well, as we'll get to in a second. Ooh, that's not good, Larry. Henderson also remembered a story from two years ago when Larry was arrested for giving a 14-year-old boy Placodil pills, Ew. which are crazy, dangerous sleeping pills, and that put the boy in a coma. Then he took him to the woods near Greencastle and dumped his body there. You'll never guess it, though. The family dropped the charges before it went to court. I wonder how big of a check Larry's lawyers had to write out for that one. Jesus. The kid did recover, by the way. Okay. Yep. He's not, I was just going to ask. He's not dead. You'd so, This must be... Is this Larry actually the guy from the fucking staircase or what? Seriously? <laughs> Michael Phelps? Is that it? <laughs> no, that's a swimmer. Yeah. Who claims his family was under assault at an empty airport. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have to get my family to safety. <laughs> The task force had put out feelers to all state departments and county sheriffs asking them to review their cases and look for any that matched the budding profile. Cook County Sheriff called back and said they recently fished the body of Jimmy Roberts out of a creek south of Chicago 
with his pants pulled down around his knees and over 30 stab wounds. That fits Damn. the bill. It's an angry man right there. This task force reminds me a lot of The Wire. A mm. few of them were there because they were the best in the business at this kind of work. And a lot of the other ones were sent there because their COs wanted them out of their hair for a couple months. Mm. Just like McNulty, McNulty was sent down to Daniels. To I, was, I was just going to say, is The Wire, is there any of them that are like the best? Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. All, Cedric they... Daniels, I mean, he was technically punished by being put on that assignment, <laughs> but I mean, he's definitely the best cop that, that you could have had. They say most of them just kind of seem like a ragtag group of... Kima was a well-respected homicide officer. Who's the detective. one? Who is the one? The the black guy who becomes like one of the main detectives later. Like that's his promotion. What was his first? Oh, job? um, 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 Freeman. He, yeah, he was. What was he doing at first? I can't remember. He was an awesome character. Yeah, what was he doing at first? Was yeah, he, he becomes the wire at some point. Was he's it, like, was he the one making the technology, maybe, or something like that? I don't know. He was doing, he was like, I don't know, I didn't, he gets promoted to like a main detective or whatever. Yeah, he's like the wire. Because yeah. it's him and McNulty that are about to hang for everything at the end, you know. It's too bad whoever the real McNulty is, is uh, never really found many jobs after that. No. no. <laughs> I've seen him in one movie, and that was it. You know he's super British, too. Is he? Yeah. I mean, he, kinda, he has that face. Yeah, he does have that he's fucking that face. that British face. That goober face. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't want to take anything away from them as I usually would with police, but they really let their homophobia get in the way of their judgment here. At the morning meeting, despite all evidence in the world pointing to Eiler, they still thought three other suspects fit the bill better. After an intense bout of discussion, Kathy Burner was able to muster all 108 pounds of her energy and force Sergeant Love, the giant, to accept that Eiler was the way the investigation needed to go. Mm. Forget completely about the other scumbags he's thinking about and focus only on Larry. Detective McPherson hopped up right away. He was sick of this cat and mouse BS, and since he looked like he could walk out onto an MLB <laughs> team and immediately bat 300, <laughs> he was exactly what Eiler would be looking for. So he's like an in-shape Miguel Sano, basically. Yes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yes. He looked... up uh, for- like a shorter Aaron Judge from everything I could hear. Okay. I, what is wrong with Aaron Judge? I don't know. He he kind of looks like he might be like a day-walking vampire. Like something about his appearance. Bright like, eyes. That's he, the problem. Yeah. He just terrifies me. Yeah. Like well, his eyes, his face. He's, is... he's like a mixed-race Nazi is what he... <laughs> if you look at him, he's like an Aryan mixed race. His proportions are perfect. His legs, his mm. butt, his, his fucking chest. Where do they even find him? How do we get Byron Nazi Buxton? Nazi University. <laughs> How do we get Byron Buxton, number one overall pick, and then they get Aaron Judge, who's like a godlike hitter? More like Byron Buston. <laughs> I was going to say, too. Bust. I was going to say, too, we need to shout out, shout out Kathy here, because those of you who make fun of it, this is the power of a hot dish. She brought mm. in... A delicious hot dish. Mm. This these detectives were like, this is so good, I better do what she says. Mind control. Mm, yeah. That's why our mothers mm. make delicious mm. hot dishes mm. here in the Midwest. They know the secret pop it's an occultic cooking recipe. Mm. It's how they control their children. It's blood cooking. <laughs> Down the front of Sam McPherson's pants was a three fifty seven Magnum. And I'm not talking about the not size his of his weenie, cock. Huh? <laughs> 
The entire operation took their places. There were three undercover cars parked across the street from Larry's work in a restaurant parking lot. Three more were circling, and a whole host of plainclothes detectives were milling about the street. A voice came over the radio from the surveillance van. Either shutting off the lights in the liquor store. Almost showtime. They didn't have to wait long. Eiler came out dressed like a straight-up bootlicker. Marine's cap sitting just right on his head to look tough. Combat boots, bright red Marine t-shirt tucked into his pants so tight it looked like a wetsuit to show off his perfect bulging pecs and biceps. Mm. Eiler climbed into his truck and started moving, unaware he was being surveyed. Our modern-day cowboys on the move. I don't really understand what that means, but okay. <laughs> uh, well, I, did they used to call soldiers cowboys? I don't know. I don't. Did they? I don't fucking know. So, okay, is he either stolen valor or is the like buff military man like his fetish thing? Because but why does he dress up like him? To attract other ones? I don't yeah. know. You know, it just like, feels like stolen valor to me. <laughs> well, the, the guy he stabbed. Did he know he is a Marine? Like, because you said he was a buff Marine, right? Or like he, he was like a in shape, yeah. lithe Marine. Do you, have you ever watched Steve nineteen eighty nine MRE? Mm-mm. Well, mm. he's the best MRE reviewer on YouTube. You okay. should watch all of his videos. Okay. He's the one that does like he cracks open like nineteen forty five <laughs> rations and eats them and shit. And he hasn't died of some weird food disease. He yet, got huh? awful like botulism from <sighs> from like an 1890 ration. You don't. That's like the worst. Yeah. Isn't and, that like close to the Black Plague? Yeah. Oh. He said, and he doesn't have insurance. He's just like well, a landscaper great. by day. <laughs> but he has two million subs on YouTube, so he, it's not like he has to do landscaping that much. He must just do landscaping just stay to in like, shape. Stay in shape Something and to not do. yeah keep entertained through the yeah, day. Yeah. Instead of trying to get picked up right outside the store, detectives dropped McPherson about two miles down Highway 41 towards Terre Haute and left and left him in the darkness. It seemed he was out there an unusually long time when he finally saw Larry's headlights coming down the road. And then the surveillance van popped up on the radio. Holy shit! He just pulled over and picked up a different hitchhiker! Whoa, so when you said the Magnum... Is McPherson have his cock hanging out? It's like his thumb to get Larry to pull over. He's got a little military garb on his penis to try to get him to pick him up. No, he's got it in him in case he tries to handcuff him. He's going to pull it out and scatter his brains. (laughs) (laughs) He's just got his little dick out painted like a 357. He's like, like, hey, big boy. Get some of the energy just flexing on the side of the road. He's he's like Mac on It's always sunny. He's completely oiled just sitting up there. (laughs) This was an extreme audible, but now they were in pursuit, playing 4D chess with a pawn that had no idea what he was in for, instead of a highly trained, strong detective with a 357. Police followed the truck to a creek right off the highway where the truck pulled to a stop. Sergeant Love said, Okay, guys, park behind and out of view. We have to sneak up on him. Do not interfere unless unless the boy's life is in danger. If we're too soon, we fuck up the case. If we're too late, let's not be too late. <laughs> I mean, yes, let's. Too late means there's a dead body. Yes, there. that they could have fucking stopped. Oh my god, I can't imagine like because it said McPherson was just like standing out there in the dark, couldn't see shit. He's like, well, usually. 
Larry is fucking hauling ass going 80 miles an hour and 30 miles an hour. So he should have, he should have cleared two miles in no time. Mm. But when the surveillance fan saw him pull over and pick up a different hitchhiker, they almost shit their fucking pants. Well, I'm, I'm going to assume Larry has a cool or like a cool down period, right? Wouldn't you think? God. Yeah. Like, I so- think, I think the only reason that this started to get picked up on is because they were all found, all of those first four initial bodies were found around the same time, mm. like within two days of each other. And that's how that reporter was able to piece it together and basically gotcha. feed it to the police. But do you know the distance between, we don't know if he's wants to kill this hitchhiker, obviously, but right. between this day and the last body that was found, like, do you know the time difference? This one and the last body that was found. I would assume it's at least a month. Yep, at least a month, yep. Yeah, so what are the odds this poor hitchhiker just happens to be kind of in the middle of all of this going on? And not to mention, this is like a non-sanctioned sting operation. They're just like, they're just like, they were convinced by the computer analysts that it was definitely this guy, and they're like, fuck it, let's go. (laughs) The two men, though, just sat and talked in the truck for half an hour. Then the door opened and the boy got out alone and walked into a pizza restaurant. Larry pulled a Yui and headed back towards Indianapolis. Detectives followed him to the leather bar called Our Place <laughs> and waited outside. At bar close, Larry came out laughing with three other men and they piled in the truck and headed for everyone's favorite bar close restaurant, Fuck White yes. Castle. I'm assuming they had better quality food in, the 80s. in this time, oh. yes. <laughs> After an hour scarfing down burgers, the party drove to a house near Central Indiana University where they got out, still laughing, and entered the house. Love's voice sounded exhausted over the radio. Should we pack it up for the night and try again next weekend? I don't think this is like a weekend activity (laughs) you do with your boys. You got a killer. I think they assume that's when he's going to be hunting is Uh, the weekend. He's a weekend hunter. Okay. Like, you're hunting a a Syria game, just be like, you know, let's just pick it up next weekend. The wife's making hot dish. I need to get the hell out of here. I'm going to be in deep shit. Larry's got to pick up another human hunting license from Walmart, so. (laughs) Everyone agreed, and we will also agree, and we'll pick it up next weekend as well. In the the shocking conclusion to Larry Eiler. Hell yes. All right. I've never heard of this guy. Me neither. You, you know, you kind of like briefly mentioned it when you were streaming. I'm like, I've never heard of this guy, but. Sounds like he's got some bodies on his hands. He's a bodyman. Yeah, like he. It sounds like he's killed at least what four already. At least four, six so far. Si- six no. already. Okay. No. So yeah, he's uh he's got quite a a body, I mean, body count. I guess is the proper term. So. He's not even close to done. Next week is gonna. We'll get a little more brutal. Maybe people care so little about Indi- Indiana, <laughs> their serial killers can't even get pop. Hey, maybe this will be like the last time I did an Indiana case, and then a bigger podcast will do something about it, and we'll get a billion downloads for no reason. Yeah, I've never heard of this guy. Okay, what year did they bust Jeffrey Dahmer? 91, right? Yeah. So we were a couple years yeah. back here. Hmm. But it's, uh, you know, a serial killer in the gay community. There's a, I swear, there's a lot of them. Just easy prey. Yeah. Uh, who, Herb, Herbert Mullins. Mm-hmm. He was another big one. I think he was in the 80s as mm-hmm. well. So. Candyman. Yeah. Ooh. 
Carol, not Carol Edward Cole. No, that Dean was, Coral. Wasn't he in the sixties? Oh, was he? Was yeah. he? I'm saying in the eighties yeah. because eighties was like really big for the gay movement and stuff. Um, but I, I guess that apparently brings out serial killers as well. The task force was getting calls saying, "Why do you exist? Why don't you just let these abominations kill each other and save our tax dollars?" You from know, from citizens. So, will, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, doesn't work that way. No, you gotta have to. You have to investigate everybody's <laughs> yeah. death. What are you gonna just let killers kill? You know their communities. Hunt you a gotta, killer. Yeah, you gotta. Don't they think there's like a serial killer in Chicago right now? I don't know. I don't I, know. I keep hearing that. Like, uh, they think you know all the uh, all the crime that goes on there. There's one that's like weaving, killing people in between all of that shit going on. So. In between, like, the gang and drug related, or... There's, like, a serial killer working in between all of that going on, which I swear we've heard of that happening before. It's, like, like some real opportunity shit, yeah. The Grim Sleeper, he did the same shit, so... Because they can hide underneath all of that shit going on, so... Just like 9-11, where there was a shitload of kidnappings that never got resolved or really reported. Because <sighs> guess what? All the first responders were needed elsewhere. Yeah. At a, I, at yeah, a little I'd place be, called I'd, Ground Zero. <laughs> I bet they were just slightly busy that day. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to part one. Next week will be the shocking conclusion. You will enjoy it immensely, Hell I yeah. am sure. If you liked it, you can tell us about it by going to bumblebuttpodcast.com and submitting a form... It'll come through to us like an email, and yeah. uh, we'll be able to talk about it on here or talk about it with you or whatever we need. Um, follow us on Instagram at Bumblebutt Podcast and Twitter <laughs> at Bumblebutt Pod. As always, the most important thing you could do for us is to hit that fucking follow button on Spotify. Please do. Actually, the most important thing you could do is tell your friend about us. Tell yep. your friends yep. about us. That's that's the most important thing you do. And the third most important thing you do is leave us a review on Apple iTunes Podcasts. We have I I keep, I forgot the exact number from last week. I know we got at least one more written one. Um, What's our number? One seventy. Okay, we've gotten one. So one. No, ri- I think it was two. at least two or three. Oh uh, yeah, maybe two or three. I don't know. Whatever. But we have one written one, and we always read the written ones here. So. Uh, so good by Chris Ten underscore Marie. Chris Ten Marie. Love a group of podcasters that aren't worried about being PC all the time. Mm. They're hilarious, but do their research and are informed about cases as well. So thank you very much. It's so kind of you, Kristen. You're the best, Chris Ten Marie. Thank you. Yes, Marie. Chris Ten Marie. 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 The French one. Oh, uh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Ah, yeah. And not to mention, what you should do is go on to our website and buy a shirt. Please do. We got a lot of them. Let's do it. Yes. Buy everything on there. Also, another thing, just be a real hero. Mm. You can go to patreon.com slash bumblebuttpodcast. We got some heroes we need to thank this week. Can we thank all these heroes? We can. We got to thank Tiffany. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. And thank you, Terry. Thank you, T and Terry. You better the uh, special thank you to Terry for uh, talking with Adam when he's streaming there. Hell yeah. The Tetris boys. Hell yeah. Hell <laughs> you yeah. better not let Terry play you because I feel like Terry might. He sounds like he's pretty good at Tetris. I think he might throw me in the trash like yesterday's <laughs> tomatoes. That's what I think. All right. Well, we're going to shoot on out of here. 
And uh, you know we all want you to have a nice weekend unless it's Tuesday. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>